look, we're back in DC. We paid our outsourced animation studio 30 cents to make that background, and damn it, we are gonna get our money's worth. Duke is hanging out undercover at the Bureau of Engraving, where they've presumably been working around the clock to reprint all the money Cobra blew up a few episodes ago. Also part of the undercover detail are Scarlet, sure, this is the 80s and a woman can work a blue-collar job just as well as a man can, and Snake Eyes, who put on a normal work guy shirt over his ninja outfit and left his mask on. Because of course he did. Duke also checks in with the 12 or 14 other Joes patrolling the grounds for... some reason. Mutt even expresses angry disappointment that Cobra has thus far had the audacity not to storm the compound. How dare they! Thankfully, they don't have to wait much longer, because honestly, who would make a cartoon about a bunch of army guys wearing unconvincing disguises and engaging in restless small talk? Bearing in mind that Adult Swim won't be invented for another 15 years or so. Duke pursues Major Blood, who appears to be leading this incursion. After shooting a handful of Cobra guys and tossing at least one off a high catwalk, he seems hesitant to enter a room marked Authorized Personnel Only, but eventually he manages to suck it up and continue giving chase. He's a loose cannon, that Duke, but damn it, he gets results! Actually, he doesn't, because he's knocked on his ass while the Major blows open a safe and takes... a ream of A4 paper? Which I think is just... Letter-sized paper for weirdos and Europeans? Oh, apparently it's a cassette of some kind. Destro's already tired of Cobra Commander's endless expositioning about it, actually. Play the tape, Major, before it decays with age. Sick burn. Oh, so apparently Cassette A4 contains detailed instructions on how to break into Fort Knox, which seems like an easy thing to fix if said cassette has been stolen. Just add some security measures that aren't on the tape, dummies. I mean, I guess they do that, because they send a bunch of G.I. Joes to fortify the joint, but those guys didn't exactly make a difference at the Bureau of Engraving, so I understand the Fort's General being a bit reluctant to open the gates for these clowns. After prattling on about how impenetrable the place is, the General is immediately accosted by Zartan and the Dreadnoughts, who are just lurking under him in a sewer tunnel. Irony! Remove the General's uniform. I mean, I know Zartan is an actual master of disguise in all the ways that Snake Eyes is not, and he intends to masquerade as the general now, but unless the script had stage directions along the lines of super creepy like a sex offender, I think the voice actor might be adding a layer of ickiness that was not intended. Zartan, as the general, orders the troops out of the fort, and then immediately reveals himself when the Joes run in to see what's going on. Perhaps master of disguise was a bit too generous. Thankfully, Duke, Scarlet, and Snake Eyes, or as I call them, the Season 1 Starter Pack, manage to punch their way past some laser beams to safety. Somehow they're still cornered, though. What are the odds? The Cobras scramble to get the gold out through the secret floor hole, which I just realized was the only thing they must have learned from the mysterious Cassette A4. Sewers exist. Then they load the gold into a special Cobra gold-stealing train for a quick getaway. I mean, any criminal will tell you that the very best getaways happen on government-maintained infrastructure that can only take you in very specific directions. A train just makes sense. The rest of the Joes manage to get into the fort, and using Junkyard's highly sophisticated canine senses, they detect the giant hole in the otherwise empty room, which nobody even bothered to close on their way out. But then Wild Bill spots the train from the air, so there really wasn't a whole lot of point to all that, was there? Also, seriously, dude, you didn't see the ridiculous snake train before your archenemies pulled their daring heist? The ground guys rolled up in about a hundred tanks, but you couldn't be bothered to have a handful of airborne guys patrolling the general area on the lookout for something that looks like this? The Joes pursue the train by commandeering a bunch of horses. 
Uh, yep, that checks out. And even though time is very much of the essence here, we apparently have hours and hours to watch this idiot fall off a horse a few thousand times. Also, Zartan said the Cobra train can go 200 miles per hour. Granted, my knowledge of galloping speeds comes from Back to the Future 3, but I'm still pretty certain horses can't go 200 miles per hour. Or, you know, faster than that, since the train already has a head start on these guys. But somehow, defying all logic and the basic laws of physics, the Joes catch up and stop the train. Which is a little disappointing. More disappointing to me, though, is that Zartan isn't wearing one of those stripy train engineer hats. As they emerge from the wrecked train, Gung-Ho says this. Was this trip really necessary? I can assure you, as someone who was 11 years old when this episode originally aired, references to World War II-era rationing are always funny. Timeless. As Duke returns the gold to Fort Knox, he demands an apology from the general, who apparently wasn't humiliated enough by having his pants stolen by punk rock terrorists and left to die in a sewer. But yeah, Duke, that I told you so is mission critical, I'm sure. You dick. 